Hey guys, I'm Turlove. And I'm Emerson. We co-host a podcast at UW called Red Square. Every other week, we stand on Red Square and have conversations with people who open up to us about love, discovery, surprise, and sometimes even whales. We believe that each person has a story, and in sharing them, we can build a little more empathy on our campus. So head over to uwpodcast.com and listen to Red Square. Welcome and thank you for joining us here once again at the Boxy Podcast. I'm Josh Eddy. And I'm Caden Condor. And we're your guide to anything and everything college basketball related. Today is Friday, February 28th, and we'll be discussing the week's best wins and worst losses, examine the teams that are trending up and down, and have another episode of Draft Spotlight. And we're going to start out with our last rapid-fire recap of February. Mm-hmm. Uh, March is coming up. Yep. So this is just, you know, we go back and forth about last week's action. Uh, me and Josh. Josh, are you going to kick this one off? Of course. All right. Florida State dominates Louisville in the second half, outscoring the Cardinals 50-27. to Five Seminoles put up double di- digits in this one. Our worries about Louisville were confirmed in this game. Jordan Wara, he only scored 11 points, and he's now shot below 30% from the field in three of his last four games. Wake Forest trades punches with Duke, then finally puts off, puts off the upset in the second overtime, handing Duke its second loss in three games. Both teams played pretty well in this one. Uh, in double OT, this was one of the most entertaining games I've seen this year. A big second half for Michigan State propels them to a much-needed home victory over Iowa. Cash Winston continues to be the engine for this team, and he ousted Luca Garza in this battle of all, the All-Americans. Garza ate in the first half, but he was shut down by Michigan State big man Xavier Tillman in the second half. Oklahoma likely locked up its seat in the tournament with the beatdown of Texas Tech. Christian Doolittle is becoming is is booming for these Sooners, averaging 20 and 9 over his past six games. The Big 12 has been pretty tough to predict this year, but Oklahoma seems to be playing better basketball. Maryland goes into halftime with a 16-point deficit, then rallied back to escape out of Minnesota by just one point. It looks like Minnesota will be one of the few Big Ten teams to miss out on the big dance. This was a character win for Maryland, who proved that they can come back at any point in the game this year. Penn State holds on at home to knock off Rutgers and win their first game without Myron Jones. His illness has kept him sidelined and been a complete gut punch for the Nittany Lions over the past two weeks. And this was an underrated win for Penn State, actually, who they've managed to remain afloat without their best shooter, Myron Jones. Wisconsin goes into Ann Arbor and comes out with a huge road win. These Badgers have been unconscious from three over the past few weeks, and despite losing one of their best players, they're earning their spot in the tournament. These bubble teams in the Big Ten keep picking up good wins, and it's looking likely that the Big Ten will actually get around 10 teams into the tournament this year. Cal plays spoiler for Colorado, and the Buffs are now a game out of first place in the Pac-12 and have lost three of their past five games heading into the home stretch of the season. And we've talked about this before, but you never want to be playing this poorly as Colorado this late into the season. In the Pac-12 game of the week, Arizona State battled UCLA and Brentwood, and at the end of the night, it was Jamie Jacquez Jr.'s big three that lifted the Bruins to their sixth straight win. The Bruins, they might be the hottest team in the NCAA right now, and they're somehow second in the Pac-12. Mick Cronin is my coach of the year in the Conference of Champions. Yeah, what a what a fantastic cap to this week with that UCLA-Arizona State, two of the top teams kind of 
battling it out in the or these two of the hottest teams in the Pac-12 battling it out. But you mentioned they're second only because the tie Oregon has the tiebreaker. They're actually tied with Oregon right now for yeah. first place, but I think Oregon beat them already, so they have the tiebreaker. And six straight wins for UCLA is not what I would have been expecting to say no, at this point in the definitely season. Definitely not. And it looks like they're probably going to be in the tournament, which I don't think anyone was predicting going into the season and even maybe a month ago. So I think UCLA crazy. and Cal were the two bottom, bottom yeah, tier predictions. Yeah. And Wazoo, too, for yeah. the bottom of the conference. And look look how that changes. Obviously, we knew Washington was going to be one of the top teams. and Couldn't have been more wrong on that yeah, one. Yeah, could not. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no more Washington talk. Want to get into, I guess, getting right into that UCLA game. I had that as my best win. Uh, just kind of piggybacking on what I was saying earlier. Arizona State is another really hot team, hence the name Sun Devils. Really hot team out of Tempe. Bobby Hurley's been fired up for this team. They're playing really good basketball. It looks like we're talking about they're likely going to be in the tournament again this year, and they're playing good basketball at the right time. But UCLA is playing better basketball. And, they come out, and this game was pretty back and forth. Arizona State had leads at certain points, but it really did come down to that last shot. And uh, I think it was Jaquez Jr. that hit the big three with like just a, a little under a second left when, when it was all said and done. And basically that gave them the win. And UCLA is I, – I haven't seen that arena. I haven't seen Pauley Pavilion that rocking in a few years now, probably going back to the Lonzo Ball days. And this is like the magic is is back and alive at UCLA, which is which is fun. Like it's always more fun when UCLA is is in the in the conversation. Yeah, and they've got a point guard, Tiger Campbell. Yeah, uh, pretty Great tough name. to miss. Yeah, uh, first name is Tiger. <laughs> he's also got a crazy yeah rat's nest hair. on his hair. <laughs> uh, but he's been leading this team pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of letting Mick Cronin take the reins and mm-hmm. running the plays, running the sets for UCLA. They have a lot of guys that are kind of contributing pieces that have come on late in the season. They didn't really start out. Well, obviously they've been they've no, won six wins in a row, <laughs> but yeah, they're kind of they're kind of picking it up at the right time of the season. Oh yeah, no kidding. I mean, Jake Kaiman's another guy that's been playing well. He obviously uh, Husky fans may remember he lit up UW in Seattle, uh, some at the beginning of conference play, and he's been pretty steady for them as well. And he uh, is just kind of that guy that can catch fire at any moment. Uh, McCrone was a guy that had a lot of success at Cincinnati. I think he got them up to a two seed one year, and then I think they lost in the second round, but. People don't need to remember that, but he's been doing a lot with Cincinnati team, which is a mid-major that, while they are good and they're usually in the tournament, they don't bring in the same kind of talent that a team like UCLA will. So him now with a higher level of talent, he's proven that he could win at this stage in a high major, and and you, I think UCLA fans are very pleasantly surprised to see that not only is he being successful, but he's being successful within the first year. So definitely a good hire. That was maybe a questionable hire going into uh, just the style of play. Maybe a lot of people weren't expecting that, but he's been great for them over the past month, and I think he's put all all haters, all critics to bed with, with mm-hmm. this hire. Yeah, and on the Arizona State side of things, I think this is a team that's going to be okay. Now, it was a tough loss to UCLA. They were at away. They were mm-hmm. at UCLA, but they still have players. Uh, Remy Martin, yeah, Remy Martin's been really Rob good. Edwards. I think Martin had 30 points in that UCLA game. Yeah. So I think Bobby Hurley's team is going to be okay. They will be a tournament team. How many games they'll win in the tournament is still kind of up for debate. I would put them right now as one, two wins would be their ceiling just because they don't really have yeah. a, an inside presence. They do have Remy Martin. Rob Edwards is a great guard, but their big, big men are a little bit questionable. Nobody's no. really stepped into that role and taken charge. But I, d- I do think that they could be a Sweet 16 team. Yeah, potentially. I mean, if yeah. you, anyone can this year, if you just get hot for two games, the parity is pretty crazy. But they do have a, 
while I do think they're going to make the tournament, they have a big game. I think it's tomorrow or Sunday against USC, the the second half of that road trip. And USC is another bubble team, so that'll be a big one. I think whoever wins that game is probably going to the tournament. And we'll see if they'll be an 11 seed like every season. Yeah, uh, maybe, 11 seed for, for maybe last playing four game yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. Always, always. Arizona uh, State you, loves that spot. Yeah. What did you have for your best win? My best win, I had Wake Forest beating the Duke Blue Devils 113-101 to <laughs> in double OT. Uh, this was a great program win for Wake. Uh, their team, they're 12-15 and 15 this season, sitting with Carolina at the bottom of the ACC right now. Uh, but Coach Danny Manning, he's a, he's a guy who's been on the hot seat for one, two seasons now, and he really needed this win, not just for himself, but the fan base. You know, they were able to storm the court after the game. Of course. This is just one of those games that lifts the spirits of the whole fan base, everybody in the arena. To beat Duke the way they did in double OT, they had five starters score double digits. Um, just a great win for Wake Forest. Danny Manning is still on the hot seat. This doesn't really change that, but it definitely raises the spirits for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it eases the pressure a little bit, takes some pressure off of him, but it still will be a question in the offseason whether he remains coach. Yeah, I've heard some uh, through the grapevine some Wake Forest fans that weren't super happy with this win because they wanted to get Danny Manning out of there, and this uh, is making it more of a question. So uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah, big win for Wake Forest. Obviously, it's always fun to beat Duke, especially on your home floor. You get to storm the court. Yeah, I love it. And it, a team that's been in the gutter, it's it's something nice that, that happened. And they're, they're going to remember this season because of this game. Yeah. And that's, that's always exciting. What do you think we can take away from this game for Duke? What, what, do you, what do you take away? I mean, I'm still at the same spot as I was before. I just can't trust this team as far as I could throw them. They're a team that looks like they could be the best team on some nights and then also looks like they could maybe lose to a high school team on other nights when they're just not clicking well and I mean Wake Forest is a team you mentioned bottom of the ACC one like in the ACC is not good this year at mm-hmm. all either and yeah losing they, they've had some questionable losses and they just lost to uh, NC State the other day they lost to Clemson earlier this year obviously Stephen F. Austin we remember that so I'm not putting a lot of trust in a team that while, while I do think they have the talent and the coaching to make a Final Four I can't see myself putting that much trust in them, considering I would not be shocked if they got bounced in the first round. And not only have they had questionable losses, but this this is a Duke team that has had questionable wins. They barely beat North Carolina, yeah. if you remember that game. Carolina is sitting with Wake Forest at the bottom of the ACC. Yeah, they're terrible. And Duke almost <laughs> lost to them. Duke probably should have lost them. So if they had lost both of these games, we would probably be singing a different t- tune right now. Yeah. So again, questionable wins I think should be a stat because Duke <laughs> probably has a couple of those where they maybe didn't deserve to win, but they ended up pulling it out at the end uh, just due to some you know yeah. heroics by Trey Jones, Vernon Carey, those guys. Yeah. I mean, after the San Diego State lost, the it was it was right there on silver platter for them to grab that one seed in the from the ACC. Usually the whoever wins the ACC is going to get a one seed. Like last year, obviously we saw three teams in, in, a, in a loaded ACC, and this year it might be Florida State getting the number one seed out of the ACC. Which I mean, we'll see what happens with San Diego State down the stretch, but that's that's becoming more and more real. That Duke maybe won't even be a one seed at all. They might be a two seed, and look like it was theirs to lose at a certain point. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if the ACC doesn't even get one one team in the one slot. Probably not. Uh, I mean, Florida State looks like they're probably going to be a two-seed. I think if Florida State does win out and maybe Gonzaga or Baylor loses one more time, Florida State could have a chance in that mm-hmm. one spot. But besides that, Duke has too many losses, I think, to be a one-seed. Yeah, definitely, and especially bad losses. And, yeah. 
All right, uh, moving on to, I guess, that Florida State game. But on the other side, my worst loss was Louisville. This Louisville team, I think you mentioned the rapid-fire recap. We've been suspect of them for quite some time now, kind of like Duke, where they're they're coming into this game, and they really need a big win. And while I know it's at Florida State, and that's a really tough place to play in Florida State, it's number six team, uh, number six team in the nation. I think that was kind of a must win for Louisville if you wanted to solidify your spot mm-hmm. as a team that should be respected as a Final Four and national title. Well, and not only solidify your spot, but prove to people like us that you guys deserve to yeah. be there. They're, we know they're listening to the podcast. They're, they're hearing, hearing all the hate, and they just wanted to prove us wrong. And unfortunately, they just could not do that in this one. And this is a Louisville team that was just looking lackadaisical in the second half. They played a pretty oh good first God. half. They were they close. Were, this That was one of the worst second halves. I've seen, and credit Florida State, because they're a really good team, and I don't think we've really talked about them enough. But And they really, they liked, the, this matchup was tough for Louisville because Florida State really likes to pressure the ball, force mm-hmm. turnovers, yeah. and Louisville doesn't really have a point guard. Like, mm-hmm. David Johnson's been good, but he's still a freshman. Well, and Florida State is a team coached by Leonard Hamilton, who has a reputation of just outworking the opponents. Definitely. And we definitely saw that in this game. Louisville was just outworked. I think yeah. they gave up in the second half because they realized all these Sem- Seminoles players are diving for balls, pressuring us full mm-hmm. court every possession. I think they just kind of gave up and couldn't handle it. Yeah, yeah. Florida State beat them on the intangibles for sure. Yeah. that's And I think the... They closed out the game on like I forget the exact number, but it was like forty-two to sixteen run, which yeah. is ridiculous. I mean, that place was going crazy at the end, and it was the game where if it went on another five minutes, they would have lost by forty points or thirty points or something like that. So that that game slipped out of their grasp. And you mentioned they were winning in the first half, and they were looking like the better team, and that's why I have this as the worst loss because you're up at the halftime by a sizable amount. And they not only blow the lead, they get absolutely run out of the gym. Yeah. And now they're coming out of that game and saying, are are we a top 10 team? Mm-hmm. And I right now I'm saying they're definitely not. And they're not playing their best basketball right now. They did this last year. They kind of collapsed late in the season and got bounced in the first round. And yeah. I'm afraid something similar is going to happen to this mm-hmm. team once again. Definitely. Looking to March is not a good sign. The way that they played in the second half is not a good sign because they're you're going to be down in the tournament and if you they didn't even have a run in them in the second half they just no. they just they bent just, over yeah, and they, gave up <laughs> they laid laid over yeah all right what did you have for your worst loss I actually had the same thing yeah, Louisville, I had Louisville yeah. losing to Florida State yeah I mean you could probably couple Duke in with that one we kind of talked about that but yeah yeah two two big ACC yeah. upsets but yeah shout out Florida State man this ACC like conference has not been good but Florida State has really taken care of business mm-hmm. they've been very good and. And they've uh, kind of done been it. Been consistent as they've well. They've been consistent, yeah, and they've done it pretty under the radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have had some big wins this year, but they're really just playing the best basketball out of anybody else mm-hmm. in the conference, and they deserve to be at the top. Yeah, and the, so Leonard Hamilton's a guy that has been really good in the tournament, and last year I thought their team was awesome. The problem is they just ran into Gonzaga, who I thought was one of the two or three best teams in the tournament. Even going into it, I thought Gonzaga was one of the best, and they ran into them in the Sweet 16, which was a total buzzsaw. So that's that's just a really tough matchup. But had they played a team like uh, Duke or UNC or maybe like a Kentucky or something like that in the, in the third round, I, I would have liked their chances more. But then in the year before that, they made like the Elite Eight, right? So yeah. they were. Th- this is a team that Leonard Hamilton has the experience and can get to a Final Four. And I don't think they're being talked about enough. It's, I agree. I, I think consistency yeah. is so key considering how many inconsistent teams there are. And really, you got to be consistent for four games if you want to make a Final Four, mm-hmm. and they could do that. 
And if I had to pick a team right now that I think for sure will get bounced in the first or second round, it would be Louisville. Just yeah. from the way that they're looking well, right now. I mean, there's probably like some 16 seeds I'd take before that. but Okay, maybe upset <laughs> yeah, in the first yeah. or second no, round, get bounced that. early. I think this Louisville team just doesn't really have what it takes to make no. a deep run right now. Yeah, they're, they need to change quick because they're, yeah, they're struggling. That, I guess getting into my next segment I wanted to talk about was uh, teams that are trending up versus trending down heading into March. We talked about this a few weeks ago that one of the most important things when you're going into the tournament is, is momentum. It's really the only important thing is how you're playing Especially in Especially this season. is like It's crazy. We see teams that could win the championship solely off the back of a, a run going into it. Obviously, the two best examples are the two UConn teams, both the Kemba Walker year and the Shabazz Napier year. The Shabazz Napier year, they were a seven seed, and they won the tournament the because they were playing really well going into it. Yeah, and the thing about this season is how teams were playing in November, December is irrelevant. That's literally the, the beginning of the season doesn't even matter. I remember Carolina, they beat Oregon in the Maui Invitation yeah. or something earlier this year, and look at how both those teams have digressed yeah. now. I do think Oregon's going to finish better than North Carolina. I think it's safe to say <laughs> that, that they will finish above them. Yeah, but so like I do think there's not like there's no stakes in those games because a team like Ohio State, when they're rolling like I mean, that, it gives me a, a sense of their ceiling. Yeah, I but, mean, the only stakes are the resume yeah, for the committee. You get those big wins. but Getting the quad one wins or whatever, getting into the tournament. But in terms of actually evaluating each in the game, yeah. yeah, in terms of evaluating each game, it really just matters the result, not really yeah. how they were playing in yeah. November. You yeah, know? another good example last year was Oregon coming in as a 12 seed. And I think the so the first game there were a 12 seed going up against Wisconsin, who is a 5 seed. And Wisconsin was, was a good team all year, but they kind of were uh, kind of slow going into the tournament. They were five seed, weren't great. And Oregon was coming off. I think they were like on a ten game win streak. They had just won the Pac-12 tournament. They beat Washington twice, and they were like everyone in their mom was taking Oregon over Wisconsin in that five twelve matchup, and they beat them, and then they ended up going to the Sweet Sixteen. So that's another good example. Teams that are playing hot, playing good at the right time, or teams you might want to take uh, farther, maybe take as an upset. In, yeah. in some of your brackets. So I kind of wanted to, I guess, get into these teams now and some of the teams that are trending up. So teams that have been playing good basketball recently. UCLA, obviously, we just talked about them. Providence, they've been, I'm not even sure if they're going to make the tournament, but they've been knocking on the door for a while now. Creighton, obviously, are just light, shooting shooting the lights out right now. BYU just beat Gonzaga at home. They're, they're playing high. Wisconsin's also been playing really well, so look out for them. Ohio State coming back. Florida, you know, you know how much I love the Florida Gators, but outside of their their six point loss to Kentucky, or I think it was like seven point loss. Yeah, they they've been playing really well. They're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. Exactly. Yeah, and then uh, Utah State as well as another team that's kind of looks like they might make the tournament after we weren't sure for a while. Mm-hmm. Now let's go into the teams that are trending downwards. This is a little bit more interesting. Yeah, these are more fun. More fun to talk <laughs> about. Uh, starting out with Louisville, we've already talked about them a bit this episode. Uh, maybe we can talk about Maryland a little, a little bit. bit. The Terrapins. Yeah. yeah, so you might be thinking, why are you talking about Maryland? They've only lost one game recently. But they should have lost that Minnesota game. Like, they were down 17 on the road. And then yeah. at the end of the game also, Daniel Oturo got fouled, and he should have gone to the free throw line for three free throws, which would have won them the game. And they didn't mm-hmm. call the foul. It probably was a foul. So I'm still hesitant. Yeah. I don't. I I don't know, man. This Maryland team, I still just don't trust. 
Yeah, but don't I you wanna, think that a 17-point comeback is good? Don't you think that would be I, trending upwards just off that momentum from that I, win? We'll see. We'll I, see. To me, see, to me, they play this, Michigan State this weekend. Yeah, I want to see. To me, at this point in the season, the only thing that really matters is the result because, you know, if you're going into a toxic place to play like Minnesota, and I assume a, a they team were away. That's desperate for yeah, desperate, a team for, that's a desperate win. for a win. You're, you're getting every six team's, p.m. tip. Yeah, you're a ranked <laughs> team. You're getting every team's best shot on every given night. So I think just coming out with a win is a momentum builder for Maryland. Obviously, there's things to work on. It's definitely not a good win for them but no, they escaped yeah. the gym with it with a victory and i yeah, think they got the dub. you know you just kind of got to move on from this and, and play better at the end of the day yeah that's true i mean yeah win still a win but i mean it just wasn't a very pretty game for maryland and yeah i i, I think they're only that. trending down because i'm starting to think of them less and less as a final four contender as the as the last couple weeks have unfolded mm. and they not to say they can't regain that within the next couple weeks they do have some big matchups but I'm yeah, just a little down on them. I might be reaching a little bit with them as a trending down team. Uh, this team is no question. West Virginia, the wheels have completely fallen off for the Mountaineers. They they have no guard play at all. While I do like Derek Culver and I do like uh, Oscar Shibway, two big men that are both really dominant. They have like their guard play is just non-existent, and that's really difficult to win <laughs> when you don't have good guards that can get those guys the ball can run the offense, can shoot from outside. It's just, yeah, this team, I think, is they were like a two seed at one point, and now they're down to a seven seed, yeah. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. Another team that's dropped pretty significantly is this Butler Bulldogs team. Oh, yeah. Uh, just looking yeah, at their, their roster. I mean, Kamar Baldwin should – there's no reason he shouldn't be scoring double digits every night. Yeah. And Butler's he is hurt right now. But he, he was a, Butler's a team that was, you know, sitting at like the, th- the three or four seed line. They were you know, like almost for, a one seed for were, majority yeah. of the season, but the last month or so they've just been sure. dropping. Plumbing, I think yeah. they've probably gotten into a tougher part of the Big East schedule, and I think that is part of the reason why they have been dropping. But and the Big East is tough. But the Big East is tough. It's cutthroat. But if you want to make a run in March, you have to win a couple big games, and they just haven't won any. No, they really haven't. And they beat Villanova at home, which came down to a last second shot. So by Kamar Baldwin, yeah, by Kamar Baldwin. So but since then, since then, yeah, they've just been losing games, even to teams they should beat. So I'm, yeah, very concerned about Butler. I would not expect them to even win a game in the tournament with the way they're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Colorado's another team where they are kind of limping in. They've lost a few games now. Uh, they were in sole possession of first place in the Pac-12 just a few weeks ago, and now they're a whole game out of first. So they're they're really falling off. And then Auburn, I know you don't want to hear it, but your Auburn Tigers are. Even the games they're winning, they're not looking particularly dominant, and and I'm not like out on this Auburn team at all, but they definitely are not playing their best basketball right now. Yeah, I'm still holding out hope for Auburn, oh, even yeah. if it's even if it's not really misplaced or not really placed well. I kind of just have a you know a blind faith yeah. in them. I've been following them all season, and I think that they have enough talent to make a run at any point. Smear down the experience also. If they get Isaac Okoro back at any point, who we'll be talking about later, mm-hmm. uh, I think they do have a chance to make a run. And Bruce Pearl's a, a very underrated coach, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not counting out Auburn at all. The way I'm counting out like Butler and West Virginia, but they're they're a team to monitor. That they they should if they start peaking right now, they'll I think they'll be in the running for another Final Four. They do. They, like you said, they do have the talent and experience. Yeah. 
All right, you want to get into the draft spotlight now? Yeah, let's do it. Um, you want to so, kick it off? Yeah, so, so. we're going to be doing power forwards this episode. Uh, we've done point guards in the past. I did Cole Anthony. Yeah, those are more like did. small forwards, I think. Yeah. Like, mine, I mean, mine's like it's a combo, positionless. Yeah, like small forward. Yeah, you're, power yeah, forward. and mine's like a two-three. Okay. So okay, you you go for it. Still similar players, I think. Yeah. Similar enough to compare. Sure. Uh, so my guy is Isaac Okoro from the Auburn Tigers. He's a 6'6", 225-pound freshman for the Tigers. He's averaging 13 points per game. Uh, but the big thing for me is he's shooting 51% from the field. So when he is taking shots, he's making them at a pretty high clip. He is still a pretty raw player. Uh, but I think that's scary because he's already turning heads at this point in his career. He's been out for a couple games, so you know, which is kind of a bummer for him because he had a lot of momentum finishing the season out. Uh, and him being out, having to sit these last couple games has been costly for the Tigers and for his draft stock um, just because scouts haven't been able to watch him play uh, but he's uber athletic physical forward he can play the stretch four uh, I think he will be in the NBA at some point safe to say kind of just depends oh, yeah. on his development and whether he wants to stay at Auburn for one more year or maybe just cash out and go to the NBA get drafted uh, if I did have an NBA comparison for him it would probably be Justin Anderson he's a guy yeah. who played at Virginia a couple years ago uh, super athletic big wing- wingspan not a great shooter. Okoro uh, still has to work on a shot. Yeah. Um, but like I said, he's raw. He can get to the basket. He can finish. He's a pretty clutch player as well. He's hit some big shots for the Tigers. Um, both players need to work on their shooting, but that's something that you can improve upon. And Okoro is only a freshman, what, 18 years old. So he's yeah. got time. And if he does want to stay at Auburn, I think that would be the best thing for him right now, uh, just to develop that jumper a little bit. And I really think that if he stays at Auburn, he could be a top five pick in next year's draft yeah he could be an all-american next year with the way he's been playing the things that have impressed me the most about him are obviously his defense you talk about that wingspan he is he can pretty much guard one through five and it's like an 18 19 year old however old he is that's really impressive and yeah he's just a stalwart on the defensive end and then also he can really get to the line he's, he's really good at drawing that contact which is tough to do for someone that young he's already got a really good feel for the game his jump shots kind of lacking at times but it's something, nothing he can't improve. And you mentioned him coming back for another year. Auburn's not traditionally a team with one and duns. They're, they're a team that likes to build it and uh, kind of get guys through their senior year. I think this year their starting lineup is four seniors and then Okoro. So that's kind of weird. And I think Bruce Pearl calls him a fuss senior because he, he has the experience of a senior, even though he's only a freshman. So we'll see if um, – if he does come back, I would expect him to go because I think he's supposed to be in the f- a first-round pick. So I would expect him to go, mm-hmm. but, I mean, you, you can't count it out. Yeah, I would expect him to go too. It's just the way college basketball is nowadays. Yeah. You know, players, they need the money, and they go to the pros yeah, can't because of the it. Guy. Yeah. But it would be cool to see him come back. I, I am definitely— the Tigers will need him next yeah. year. Oh, yeah. My guy was uh, kind of a 2-3 kind of wing swing man. It was Josh Green out of Arizona. He's a guy that's probably the third best freshman on this team, which is kind of weird, but his ceiling is higher than, I think, Zeke Naji, so he might be picked higher than him. So Josh Green is averaging 12 points, or like just under 12 points, four and a half boards, two and a half assists this season. He's a 6'6", 210-pound guard slash small forward. Yeah, they're either shooting guard or small forward, depending on how, how you want to play him. And he's, yeah, he's a freshman on this team. He's athletically just a beast. He can really get up and down the court. He could get highlight dunks, he could ch- get chased down blocks, and he's pretty big for his age already. I mentioned 210 pounds for a guy that's 6'6". He, he's got some muscle on him already. He, the problem with him is his shooting numbers, kind of like Okoro, haven't been great, 
but while his his splits are pretty pedestrian, it, it's because of his inconsistency, not overall play. So there are games where he might go four for five or four for seven from three, and there's other games where he might go zero for three. So that's something to be concerned about, and it really is kind of jackal and hide with him. You don't really know who you're going to get from night to night. He's a pretty good defender, though. He tends to get get a lot of steals. He tends to guard a lot of point guards as well. So he's a good on-ball defender. He His ceiling and his athleticism is what's going to kind of propel him into, I think, the first round, but his inconsistencies is what's going to drop him towards the back half of the first round. Yeah, and I think Green and Okoro are both guys who, on the, in the stat book, they don't look as impressive yeah, they don't jump as the they do on the court. You really got to watch them play because the things that they bring to the game, the intangibles, the game sense that both of these players have, I think that's the main reason why they're playing so well and they're so effective for their teams. Yeah, exactly. I think I think a guy like Josh Green, you could expect him to go around the 20 to 25 range of the draft, so towards the, towards the back half. I think a lot of teams could use a guy like him if he can improve his shooting. That's something in the NBA that everyone needs is – twos and threes that can stretch the floor and also make good athletic plays and play good defense that's there's there's always gonna be a market for guys like that but yeah it's it's really gonna come down to if he can get his jump shot more consistent and it, he's a kind of guy that if he has a good march madness he could really help his draft stock because of recency bias and if he's knocking down i don't know 40 50 percent from three and the wildcats make a i don't know elite eight run or something like that then he could really help his his draft stock there so a uh, good a couple of good comps I have for him, or maybe like Kent Bazemore, if he can get a shot a little better. Kelly Oubre Jr. as well. So a couple guys like that, like kind of a athletic swingman that can shoot the ball as well. Yeah, I think Josh Green. I think he'll be a late bloomer. I think he's Definitely. a guy who, if he does go to the NBA this year, it'll take two or three years, similar to Kelly Oubre actually, for him to really develop into the player that I think he could be. Yeah, definitely. All right, I'm gonna get into some odds and ends now. These are kind of weird, but. Whatever. Just some interesting facts <laughs> from the past week. So I, I noticed something like I felt like the ten, whoever's ranked number 10 is like always a blue team. And that, that was just kind of what I thought. So I went through, I did the research, I crunched the numbers, and it turns out so 12 of 17 weeks this season, there's been a blue team at number 10, which is super interesting. This is like going to help so much when you're filling out your brackets. Super interesting. So guys. right now it's Creighton. <laughs> so they're obviously a blue team to the Blue yeah. Jays. Like, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, con- then last week, Kentucky, Big Blue Nation. Hello. Seton Hall, week 14. Blue. Villanova, 13 and 12, also blue. And Seton Hall again at 11. Kentucky, and at, or at week 12, it was Seton Hall. Week 11, Kentucky. Week 10, there was Florida State. But then weeks nine and eight was Villanova. So Florida been... State actually has a pair of blue jerseys that they brought out. This oh season. yeah, yeah. So there we go. So yeah, we're. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I thought that was interesting enough to bring up on the podcast. Where but did you see this? I, I just thought about it, and then I went through all the past like AP polls, and yeah. So that's something to really keep your eye on as we move forward. Maybe I mean, some ten seeds in the tournament will be blue. Oh, there you go. Little yeah. con- continuity there. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe. But yeah. So that's. Pretty exciting stuff, and it's been a rotating kind of chair of uh, of these blue teams. It's not just the same team at ten every week, so this is very mm-hmm. exciting stuff. So yeah. I mean, everyone's really really happy about these stats, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> another interesting odd and in uh, is coaches complaining. We oh. always love covering coaches complaining on yeah. the show. Jim Beheim, um, anything love him. we can talk about. Jim Beheim earlier <laughs> in the season about scheduling. This week it was Chris Holtman and Mark Turgeon. Uh, who? Which one out of these so, guys was complaining? Mar- Mark Turgeon was the guy that was complaining. So uh, we were kind of talking about this earlier with and Mark Turgeon is the coach for Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. So Mark Turgeon, 
they come back. They were down, I think, 17 points in that in the Minnesota game. They do come back in the second half, get the win on like a last second shot from uh, Casey Marcel or Daryl Marcel. I always get them confused. Yeah, yeah Daryl Marcel hits a big three, uh, get the big win, whatever. But in the post game like sideline interview, Mark Turgeon says complaining about how it was a 6 p.m. tip. So 6 p.m. Western time that is. So he's from Maryland. Eastern time, that's 9 p.m. That's pretty late for them, which I kind of understand. But he's also just got the big win, and he's complaining. He's like, oh, I hope I can get home in in my bed by 4 p.m. So then he gets kind of— 4 a.m.? Uh, 4 a.m., yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's—which is understandable, but yeah. he's kind of—come on, man. Like, you're a college basketball coach. He's, he's catching a lot of flack online for this one. He goes into a, the post-game press conference about 10, 15 minutes later, and he's, like, apologizing about it, so— Good, good move for him. Has Chris Holtman said anything? Oh, yeah. And then, so then the next day, I think it was the next day or two days later, Ohio State played against Nebraska at Nebraska, and it was also a 6 p.m. tip. And after the game, Chris Holtman, a little tongue-in-cheek, said, I'm so happy about the 6 p.m. tip. We were able to get in early, get some shots up in the gym, work on some plays and whatnot, and it helped us be more prepared for it. So a little bit of a shot at Mark Turgeon there. Is a team that's uh, these two teams have kind of been feuding. Ohio State obviously beat Maryland just a week ago, so there there's a little bit of a feud there. We'll see if they maybe meet again in the Big Ten tournament. I'm here for any of that stuff oh, yeah. because college basketball has just become so soft. There's no fights nowadays. <laughs> I'm not saying there should be, but there's not even any trash talking yeah, going. Yeah, on. we don't condone fighting, but like we're here for it. Like we're right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's enjoyable at least, and there's not like I said, like there's no trash talking happening. Even the refs just shut out any of that down immediately. Yeah. yeah, the one time you saw a fight, which granted it was a it was an interesting situation with the Silvio de Sosa picking up the chair, oh, oh, but like that that made the rounds. Like that was the biggest story for a day. That was the biggest story this season, almost. Pretty much. I'm sorry, that and Wiseman are the two biggest stories, yeah. which is really exciting. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't had any of that, so I'm hoping now that. The tournament's coming up. Teams are trying to play their way in. Games mm-hmm. start getting a little bit more intense. We get some more poster dunks. We get some more scrapping yeah. going on. Yeah, that's that's all you can ask for, really. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's been a yeah not the most exciting year in college basketball. It's been yeah. exciting in the fact that I have no idea like who's gonna be in the final four. Like I'm it just, could really be like yeah, a twelve seed. It's ready for March to get here. Yeah, Mars me too. To, Mars couldn't get here quick enough. Yeah, because. only I mean it's a leap year. Also, we gotta wait a whole another day for March, and it's just it's just brutal. <sighs> The season has been it's been slow, I would say. Yeah. I mean there's been good games, but it's just like there's been good games. There hasn't yeah. really been any compelling storylines. So it's no, like I think yeah. Yeah. That's probably the best way I to think, put it, where it's just not yeah. from the outside, if you're not like a guy that likes if watching college basketball, there's not a lot really bringing you in. So yeah. That's good. like last year they had Zion and everyone loves Zion. Zion so. helps. For yeah. the brand a little bit. Yeah, of course. And then and two years ago is Sister Jean. I mean Yeah. Everyone loves Sister Jean throughout the season, I'm sure. Like everyone was following her. And then once they got to the tournament, they were super familiar with wasn't her. There, wasn't there a possible new Sister Jean watch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's the – well, the we got a couple, actually. So one of them is the old Miss lady that hit the 94-foot putt. But they unfortunately, won't be in the it doesn't look like they're going to make the tournament. No. So there, there's a couple – Maybe NIT. There's a couple up. older ladies that go to these San Diego State games. Oh. And they, they're pretty they're pretty popular. They're kind of getting really? some prominence. There yeah, you they, go. They have these signs like, what it do, baby? We know, uh, we know Kawhi Leonard's a guy that went to – San Diego State, and he obviously coined the phrase "What it do, baby." So they're they're kind of spreading the word of of God. It's what they what they think. Is and maybe God. Kawhi will show up to a couple of tourney yeah, games. Yeah, he did get his uh, jersey retired earlier this year. So we'll see. Maybe they're on Sister Jean watch. This is very exciting stuff. Wow, college basketball, <laughs> folks.
Never know what you're going to you, get. And you saw this was a slow year. <laughs> <laughs> when we're talking about old ladies hitting 94-foot putts and at an Ole Miss game. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't get much better than that. All right, I'm going to get into some games to watch this, this weekend. Uh, tonight's the big one. This is the one everyone needs to mark down their calendars. 6 p.m., Washington State at Washington. Two bottom teams in the Pac-12. Big rivalry game. We'll mm-hmm. see if the Huskies can pull it out. Yeah, both teams are basically <laughs> just both teams are just playing for pride at this point. Yeah, that's I it. Mean, that, that's about it. Yeah. It's a rivalry game. UW is hoping <laughs> to gain some momentum before the tournament. This is Maybe. probably the big, biggest game of the season. Like, they, all things considered. Yeah, the way the season <laughs> has gone, I agree. This is to this point. Yeah, this yeah. game. Uh, obviously, I'm joking about that. But Saturday, oh, I'm serious. Yeah, Are yeah. UW? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Rivalry game at home. This is what we needed. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is something we can actually talk Senior about night, and watch. Sam Timmons last last night at Heckhead. It's gonna be a Sam big Timmons one. Sam Timmons has been balling lately, folks. <laughs> Get him on some draft boards. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's getting some national part of the year buzz, so that's pretty exciting. So, so could you just say like, if we just said like Sam Timmons should be national part of the year, could we like? consider that not like he's getting buzz yeah I probably think so. right so like i think sam timmons should be an all-american me too all right so he's got the buzz hot off the press yeah there you go sam timmons you get, you get all you uh all you kids out there can take that and run with it uh but yeah actually getting into the good games of this weekend saturday's got a nice slate really i mean there's kind of a lot of like good games not a lot of like like headline games but providence at villanova we mentioned this providence team is trending upwards and if they do win at Villanova I think they're a lock for the tournament the game's at 9 a.m. also at 9 a.m. we got Penn State at Iowa good ranked Big Ten matchup Seton Hall at Marquette this is round two of the Miles Powell versus Marcus Howard kind of rivalry if you will that wins at 11 30 a.m. Auburn at Kentucky you know this is the first game this one was really good at Auburn Auburn was able to pull it out Kentucky maybe looking for a little bit of revenge they're playing good basketball right now that game's at 12 45 p.m. tip-off, so that's, I don't know why they did 12.45, but whatever. It's better than 9 a.m. Oh, for sure. It's just kind of weird. I don't know why they did at the 15 Is that the mark. college game day? That might be it. That's pro- that's probably it, actually. I didn't, I don't really know, but that's probably why it's 12.45. Yeah. And then uh, San Diego State at Nevada. Uh, Nevada is coached by your, your favorite former UCLA coach. They're, they've been kind of balling out, uh, Steve Alford. Really? Yeah, so he's been... They have a guy, Jalen Harris, who's actually been a beast. And so that, that might be an interesting game. Who knows? Michigan State at Maryland. That's probably the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, it's Yeah, it should be good. We'll see if Maryland can kind of prove their worth a little more. St. Mary's at Gonzaga, 7 p.m. This is the game where St. Mary's probably gets killed by like 40 points, but everyone always thinks it's going to be a good game. Arizona at UCLA. This is a big game for the Pac-12. Arizona is coming off a loss to USC, a pretty poor loss. And uh, UCLA, obviously, riding hot. And if they win this game, they might win the Pac-12, which is pretty crazy. I think they only have this game, and then they have uh, USC next week. And then, so if they win out and Oregon loses one game of their next, like, two, then they win the Pac-12. Crazy. Which is, like, insane. It kind of messes up the the resume for the whole conference, too. To see a team like UCLA, obviously they're hot right now, but yeah. they started out so poorly in non-conference to see them beating these supposedly good Pac-12 it's teams. It's all about how you're playing right now, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's just it's not a great look for the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 looked much it's, worse it's last good, year. It's a good story. You know, like the Pac-12 was terrible last year. So the yeah. fact that teams are actually doing something this year, it's just it's a welcome sign. Yeah, definitely. And then Sunday is one one good game. Michigan at Ohio State. 
the first game was great. This is the rematch. That one's at 1 p.m., so definitely look for that one as well. Okay. Well, I think that's all we've got for you guys today. Yeah, that's all I got. Awesome. I'm Caden Collender. I'm Josh Eddy. And this has been the Box Seat Podcast. Uh, the next time you hear from us, it will be March. It will be March. Rostin will be very excited. Yeah, we'll be back on Monday to talk about all the weekend's events, all the games that went on. Um, if you guys have any questions or comments for us, let us know on Twitter at the Box Seat Podcast. Mm-hmm. Our DMs are getting like full. Like we're we're gonna start having deleting some. Yep. Josh <laughs> is on it with that one. <laughs> Anyways, we will be back on Monday. Thank you guys for listening, uh, and we'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.